Hello and welcome to the Android Central Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, we are talking all about Apple's WWDC conference with uh, two really fascinating uh, and and well-informed guests uh, from both sides of the ecosystem spectrum. So I will get to them in just a second, but first I'll say hello to Ara Wagner. How are you? I'm warm. It's warm in Florida now, even yeah, this late at night. <laughs> that's what happens in the summer, in 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 the in the bog. I actually I brought the, a coke with me into the booth today. I assume the entire state is just a swamp at this point. I mean, the majority of the state is a swamp, no matter what time of year it is. But it just feels like one now. So uh, I also want to, I guess, welcome to the show for the first time, uh, my counterpart over at iMore, Joe Keller. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's busy times. It is a busy time. I really appreciate you being on this late. We're recording late. And uh, we've had your predecessor, Lori Gilpatrick, on the show before. She was on last year covering all the WWDC stuff. But she, she went off and works for Apple now. So... You know, it's it's on you to make your annual appearance on the show. Um, you know, we we'll hope you'll do her proud, and and she'll pretend to listen, and and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, we're we're glad to have her. you. Um, and and welcoming back, I, I guess after two years, uh, Chris Lacey of Action Launcher and newly released Swirl Walls. How are you, man? Welcome back. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk about the show. So. Since you've been on, there's a lot of a lot of things have happened in in the Android world, um, in in the iOS world. You you've come on and spoken about um, your sort of conflicting relationship with with Apple in the past. And before the show, you were mentioning how you you mainly stick with Android because the APIs are less restrictive. They allow you to do the things that you want to do. Um, before we get into everything um ios focus how's swirl walls doing we we uh you, you posted on twitter that the freemium version is coming out in a few weeks on july 1st and um you know we just want to I, I just want to know like how's how's that going how's how's the development how's the reception been yeah, look, the uh, the app's gone. I, I'm really pleased with the response. For for, for context, Swirl Worlds is my uh, live wallpaper app for Android, and and basically, my the pitch of it is it makes your home screen feel more responsive, and uh, and just it, it's just fun to use, basically. Um, and I think the app's been received tremendously uh, by the people that have seen it, but I just made a, a, a catastrophic mistake basically with the business model by, by making it paid up front. Um, so I have uh, been hard at work coming up with a with a way of offering the app for free uh, while also trying to, you know, gain revenue from it, which wasn't the most obvious thing for me. And I think I've come up with a, a pretty interesting uh, and novel solution. Um Sort of, it's it's not subscription based, but uh, it will allow anyone to unlock all you know all the features for free um, with a a certain usage of ads. And uh, would I'll I'll be saying a lot more about that in the, in the coming weeks. But I'm just uh, finishing that, and yeah, I, as you said, I'll I'll be releasing that uh, after July first when the uh, Google's um, revenue reduced revenue cut of eighty five percent kicks in. So uh, so yeah, just head down focusing on that. 
That's that's fantastic. We can't I can't wait to see it because I've really enjoyed using swirl walls. It's it's like putting a fidget spinner on your home screen. It's nice. It, it is, and uh, and and look, the, uh, the some of the new wallpapers. Um, I, I don't oversell my apps, as longtime followers or listeners uh, will know. But um, I'm really, really excited about some of the new wallpapers coming in in the the, the next release of Swirl Walls. So it's going to have great new wallpapers and be accessible to everyone for free. So I'm I'm just tremendously excited to uh, to finish it and get it out. So let's jump right into WWDC. So this was probably the most contentious of Apple's developer conferences in recent memory, um, you know, swirling uh, around it was all of the Epic versus Apple versus Epic um, trial, the possibility of Apple being forced to um, allow off ramps to some of its, to, to its app store. You know, the, the, there are three major possibilities here. One is that Apple will be forced to allow third-party app stores, which is probably not going to happen. Uh, one is that Apple will be um, will allow be forced to allow third-party uh, payment vendors which, within apps, which is probably not going to happen. But the third possibility, which is more likely to happen but still may not happen, is that Apple will be forced to allow developers to just say that you can get an in-app purchase or some other service another way inside its apps. Um, we don't know the results. It's probably not going to happen for quite a while, but this was really permeating through the keynote. Um, we didn't know if Tim Cook would mention it at all, but there was a lot to get through and nothing about the trial obviously was was mentioned. But what was... Uh, announced was just a bunch of very, I, I would say, considerate updates from iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, and uh, HomeKit, and then a bunch of privacy and health stuff. So, Joe, I'd like to start with you because you were there in the middle of it. Give us your like top five announcements from your perspective or your team's perspective. All right. So we have... So yeah, like I said, it was it was a busy it was a busy show. But in terms of top announcements, first of all, I I got to go with SharePlay is probably the big one because it I didn't expect FaceTime to be one of the major focuses of the conference, and SharePlay is just I guess it's Apple's way to try to lap things like Zoom and Meet and all of the video conferencing conferencing apps that have taken off in the last year. Um, so that, that's a really, really big one. Um, I would also say uh, focus, the new focus feature on, well, actually across their platforms. That is a step in the direction of a feature I've wanted for a while is the ability to have different home screens for different contexts and things like that. Yeah. I, uh, I I'm actually very, very, pleasantly surprised about focus looking over to the iPad app library and uh, home screen widgets on iPad. Another big announcement, one that I don't know how much play it's getting, but universal controls across uh, Mac OS Monterey and iPad OS where you can, you know, move your cursor between, move your cursor and keyboard between devices 
Um, it's an it's an extremely impressive technology that doesn't cause your iPad to just become a second Mac screen like the existing feature sidecar does. That's the demo I think most people are going to remember. Yeah, because it, it's wild. Right now, you need like a you need a keyboard with a with mode switchers to do that to do that sort of thing. Or you need that Logitech Logitech unifying whatever yeah. thing that they have that only works with Windows and Mac. To which I say, how often are you using a keyboard and a mouse for both of those systems at once? Mm-hmm. Like really, guys. <laughs> and I think uh, the I think a lot of the privacy announcements were, were fairly interesting. The fact that they just introduced a new Plus service. Um, iCloud Plus with this uh, hide my email feature and uh, private – what is it? iCloud Private Relay. Um, you mean Apple VPN? It's a VPN. Uh, it's not really. It's only kind of. I should clarify. It's only kind of a VPN. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I've got I – can, I can go into that a little bit, but – um. Yeah, um, the the I think the last feature I'd mentioned that's actually pretty big. It's really more developer focused, but it's Xcode Cloud, which is just it it's GitHub. It's like Apple made their own GitHub. <laughs> oh, is that what it I'm is? Kind of is what blown, it feels like. I'm kind of blown away that they didn't already have that. Honestly, but I think mostly because people were already just using GitHub. Um, yeah, <laughs> and actually. Uh, my friend and yours, Renee Ritchie, is of the opinion that it's a precursor to similar to bringing full on Xcode to the iPad eventually, and as well as more professional apps by getting similar systems in place for like Final Cut and Logic. And when Renee speculates, I tend to listen. So, hmm. I mean, that's just like a handful of of some of the announcements. Chris, I'll I'll throw the same question to you. Because you were looking at it from a bit of a different vantage point, um, what were your either favorite or just most significant announcements? Well, I, I, the thing I was most interested um, about going into the show was um, I, I I had a few. One was what was Apple's general tone going to be? Uh, because there has been a lot of discontent uh, by a large portion of its uh, of Apple's development community of late. And, and it's not just this year, frankly. If you remember last year before WWDC, there was the uh, the Hey email uh, fiasco, um, which Apple had to put that fire out a week before WWDC. And this year, obviously, there was the Epic trial that you mentioned. It, 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 one of the things that came out in discovery of that trial was that 39% of Apple developers were unhappy um, with with Apple's with the current state of, of uh, as developers of Apple's platforms, and that's a that's a very meaningful percentage, especially considering you know Tim Cook especially loves to get up and and talk about customer satisfaction for all their um, all their products. To have thirty nine percent of their developers be upset is is very meaningful, and um, I was. I personally am of the opinion that Apple are thanking their absolutely lucky stars that this was a virtual conference because I like, I, honestly, I felt like it was almost a joke when Tim Cook walked out at the start of this conference with Memojis wildly cheering him. It, it felt like, um, it, it, it just felt so disingenuous that like, I just cannot imagine any circumstance where that is close to the reception he would have got if this were an in-person event. Um, and so I was really looking 
to to see how Apple sort of handled the the general sentiment. Um, from a selfish point of view, I was also curious if this was the year where Apple might allow live wallpaper apps um, to to come to iOS. Uh, that's nope. uns- <laughs> unsurprisingly, the answer is no. no. Um, even though Apple have their own live wallpapers, and I, I think uh, I was also curious just from a just from a spectator's point of view, like a, a, when will Apple allow home screen shortcuts, uh, home app shortcuts to be pinned to the bottom of a, of a device? And I, it just seems stubbornness. Um, so I was curious if they were going to fix that. They didn't, and. Uh, yeah, so I, I think those were the the main things that I was uh, I and and I, I guess what was to to sort of get more to directly to your question the the biggest sort of takeaway I think um, is that Apple announced a whole lot of really quite interesting consumer products and I think it's fair to say a lot of them would not are not really available to uh, to a lot of developers which is the point of this conference like uh, if you are a uh, a notes, a note-taking app developer, you're thinking, oh, great. So now Apple Notes can be instantiated by swiping in the in the corner. My app can't be open like that. Um, or if you're a, a weather developer, you're thinking, oh, gosh, well, Apple's, you know, created a, you know, an absolutely fantastic weather app. Um, I'm not, <laughs> it's going to be very, very hard for me to compete. And I'm not saying Apple is, is wrong to do either of those initiatives, but I do think it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, no, the, the quick note one is one of those I went, God, I wish uh, Google Keep could do that on Android and Chromebooks. And I'm like, oh, wait, that would be that would be an antitrust case almost immediately if they integrated that system wide and Apple ain't going to get pinged for that. Well, it just it just seems like I, I would have loved that feature to be introduced and there'd be APIs and say and you can specify your default note taking app and, and then everyone's happy, right? Like consumers get a a, a a, a Considering great how feature. much of a fight it is to get Apple to let you pick the default app for anything on I, I, iOS, I, <laughs> we have that, two. Like, that, that's been a mul- that's been like a five year fight for y'all, hasn't it, Joe? Oh, that's a fight of Apple's own God. making. Yeah, don't don't even get me started. Like, so we have two. I think I'm not sure. I have to dig into it if we got any others. But right now, you can designate a default browser and a default mail app, and it's not even the easiest thing to do. It's 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 very frustrating. Um, you can kind of do um, default music and podcast app with Siri, um, but it's kind of it's kind of hit or miss, and it's not even it's not even a setting that you can tap a button for. It's uh, I I am on the. How is uh, it for like keyboards and utility apps? Um, you okay? You can select a you can install third party keyboards and um and set a default an, a different default keyboard it used to be that you'd have to um manually switch it every time well no not every time you would have to use the system keyboard to do things like enter passwords and things like that but they Ugh. they eventually changed that behavior so you do not have to switch over so do autofill solutions work on i how do i uh, like things like lastpass and all those other autofill solutions is that something you can set as well or is yeah. that something that you, isn't you can't set? you can set an autofill solution um what happens for me because i'm at, as it turns out not great at organizing all of my passwords into a single place <laughs> um 
is I can see I get options for so I use one password and iCloud Keychain. I can get options for both of those when I go to fill in a password. Oh, that's um, nice. And that's going to change actually. That, well, it's going to change uh, for Safari a little bit this fall when web extension support actually rolls out. And that's something I'm looking forward to. The uh, the Agile Bits folks who make one password have already got the web the Safari extension for one password running on iPad. They revealed today, so which feels redundant because they have native autofill integration using the autofill API already. Let me tell you, Daniel, that the uh, the web extension is a lot better than the autofill integration. It's just easier to get at exactly what you're looking for through the that web extension. feels like an indictment of iOS in a couple of different ways there, <laughs> that the web extension is a better implementation than the system one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I mean, going to dispute that. Let's talk about... Let's talk about Apple treating web apps like first-party citizens because we had this in, we had this discussion internally yesterday, and I I like Chris your your opinion on this. With um, FaceTime share links or invites, you are now able to invite anybody with a web browser to a FaceTime call, which means over WebRTC, presumably you will be able to invite Android and Windows users to join a FaceTime call. Apple likely decided this because it wanted to make a single solution for all screen sizes and types, right? Didn't want to necessarily build a native Android app. But it was in its... It's certainly possible. Android apps are not unfamiliar to, to, to Apple. They have several of them moved to iOS, got a big update this year. Apple Music is a pretty good Android app. Um, that you have to pay for. Unless they're going to make Android users start paying for FaceTime, I don't see us getting an Android app. I see no, us just what, getting what a... I, what, I, what I mean by this is even if they made a viewer, right? I, I know this is not an ideal solution, but obviously they're not bringing native FaceTime to Android. That was not the point of this announcement. But to not make a native experience even as a viewer right just so that you could natively open facetime calls on an on an android phone or tablet instead they're relying on the web how do you feel about that for if, if i'm apple i i i think it, that's been justified by the fact that if it's a web url that link can then be used on a windows computer so it makes a it makes a lot of sense from that perspective um I think from an Android user point of view, it's horrible. Like how many Android users are actually uh, logged in in their browser with an Apple ID, which presumably you would need. I mean, it doesn't say you have to log in. And that's a, I think, because I mean, it's just, it's just a link to, you can open it and you can join. You don't have to invite somebody by their iCloud ID. I, I, I hope that is the case. Um, so, I mean, it, look, obviously something is, is better than nothing. I, I think obviously it, it would not take much effort for Apple to wrap a web view um, around fa- a FaceTime calls app. But I think that's a that's a slope Apple doesn't want to start skiing down because as soon as they do that, oh, you, you, you think, well, why can't I access my iMessages? Why can't I start a FaceTime call? Uh, so it's, it's a simple solution that works across you know all platforms and uh you know allows apple to tick a box as far as uh expanding use outside of um 
outside of Apple's native ecosystem. Yeah. And Bader, I mean, for web app, web app versus native app, I mean, when you try and open a Zoom link on Android, you ran into that yesterday, right? How it tried to force you to the app and that meant that that was time you couldn't be in the call. By just having it be a web client, especially if it's a web client where you just send them the link and they can get in, then that means that you send a link, somebody clicks the link and instantly they're in, which is just easy Apple, it works. Sure, but also... But also is going to be kind of The native experience is going to be, you know, you have fewer APIs available to you if you're relying on the browser. I assume that means if you, uh, like, the app would have to be in the foreground to work? Not for video, probably, I think. Not for not for audio. I don't. I actually don't know. That's that's a good question. I think you could keep listening. You could maybe talk. I just don't know because I mean, there's so few web. There's so few video calling solutions for Android that do it through the browser instead of making you go to an app. That's right. It's it's certainly not going to be a solution where, um, like it will on iOS, you can minimize the 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 person talking and and keep using your phone and and still see them. I mean, it's it's great. You're right. It's better than nothing. But it, I just feel like it's 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 not even a carrot. It's just it's like it's a stick that's covered with a carrot like substance. Um, that I don't think app. I don't think fit, um, Android users are are going to be gratified by this. Specifically not because meant to you're be still by this. you're still not able to, make to you, yeah. right? But but it it basically puts the power dynamic in the hands of the iOS user. So for Apple to claim that this is a cross-platform solution, it is not. Because if you are a Windows or Android user who wants to begin a call, you're not using FaceTime, right? So it's it's the person who is who owns the iPhone or iPad or Mac that's starting the call. It just it really does speak to how Apple thinks of Windows and Apple and, and Android users as these like. I don't want to say second-class citizens, but that is definitely how it's coming across here. If they really wanted to compete with Zoom and um, and even Google Meet, they would make native experiences, and it wouldn't need to be native for Windows. You wouldn't need a. You could just use a PWA, but for Android, you would need an an app, and that's not what's happening here. I do want to acknowledge what Joe said earlier, though. SharePlay is looks to be. It looks amazing. I just incredible. I don't believe that it's going to be that seamless, especially for anything uh, regarding like Disney Plus and Hulu and they didn't have Netflix, HBO Max. (laughs) Like anything video there seems just like that's that's a little too black magic to be real. From from what you understand, say Disney Plus, which is participating in SharePlay, it currently has its own, you know, bespoke group play feature. together. How does that, how does Apple use does it like supersede the 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 proprietary solution or or like how does that work so my guess is and at this point this is really all i've got is my guess is that it would live alongside so watch the watch together feature in disney plus you can just use however just you know start a watch together group um this is sorry era I was going to say Watch Together is one of those things of it's also way more limited than SharePlay is going to be because mm-hmm. Watch Together is just everybody who's uh, – you can decide whether everybody on the uh, who's watching can pause or play it or just the person who started it. But it mm-hmm. just pause plays for everybody and you can send up one of five emoji 
you can't do any co- uh, text commenting or anything like that. So yeah. it's kind of meh. Um, and you don't have a video call going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's not multi-platform, obviously, as well. So I'm curious right. what that means like yeah. for, for Disney+. Plus, Are they going to have to have two concurrent systems going and, and do different behavior when it's just a party of iOS uh of ios devices i don't know i i i wasn't that enthused by SharePlay myself um i i, I mean it looks amazing if it works but at the same I, time I, it's I also one of those things of, okay so i can send it to my tv and then everybody will hear the movie five different times through five different microphones on facetime because let's face it if you're doing a video while you're watching a movie if you're not listening to the movie with headphones what the hell are you doing with your life i feel like Noise suppression is going to be a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the big things that they talked about in relation to FaceTime yesterday. Oh, that demo with the leaf blower. Yeah. Yeah. The the different levels of noise suppression and uh, noise, I guess, enrichment that you can have because that was the that was the other option you have is you can actually you know bring every bit of noise around you into a FaceTime call if that's something you want to. I personally don't have an application for that specific feature, but um, yeah. I I have one. The the noise suppression is probably very key to that. That looked amazing, the noise suppression. Uh, You you hope it's not, you know, it it looked like That was the most impressive demo if that was real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It it looked like a vacuum cleaner picking up a bowling ball, the the equivalent of that. Uh, I, I hope it works. Doesn't work with my vacuum cleaner. (laughs) <laughs> so or I'm curious, what is your what is your use case for noise Do enrichment? Do you know how many people will be on a FaceTime while they're watching the fireworks at Walt Disney World? Oh, there you go. Or at concerts. And of course you'll turn yeah, or concerts. Things that's like, oh, well, I'm going to this and I want to share the experience with my friends. And I'm like, put your freaking phone down and enjoy. You spent $3,000 to come here and you're just going to hold the phone in front of your face while there's like a million dollars worth of fireworks going off. Really, guys? Ugh. Sorry, pet peeve. Yeah, no. I'm with you. SharePlay does seem amazing. And I don't share the skepticism that you've got, Ara. I think this actually will work. I think it'll work for everything except the movies. And the movies, I think, are going to be a little bit buggy, at least during the first, like, six months. And any time they add a new service after that. Maybe third, yeah, third-party stuff, I can see that. Uh, I I imagine first-party stuff's going to be pretty solid. I just don't know when I'd actually use it. I mean, how many people still buy movies from iTunes? Or, sorry, how many people still buy movies from the App Store? Because I get ridiculed for doing that stuff. On Google Play. <laughs> so that's a that's a good question. Um, but like things like when you're watching the second season of Ted Lasso together. <laughs> We're all just going to be laughing. Nobody's going to be able to hear anybody. It's just going to be pure laughter. And joy. Butterflies. I got to get a trial for Apple TV so I can just watch Ted Lasso and be like, what the hell are all of y'all on about here? I, I will interject and say that we were talking before about Apple's familiarity with Android. Their Android TV app is astoundingly good. I've heard good things there, and the Apple uh, the Apple Music app is surprisingly good too. Well, there are a bunch of app Android like features that were announced yesterday that I want to talk about, uh, and I want to get Chris's take on them as well as Joe's because Chris has used them on Android. Joe's going to use them on iOS, so we'll be right back, and I want I don't want to talk about them. 
KCP fans, uh, we're going to take a quick second to talk about Hover, one of our sponsors. So if you are on the internet at all, which I assume you are, given that you listen to this show, you probably know how important a domain name is to the, to the success of a brand. And when you think of domain names, you may think of Hover. Hover is just a great company, a company with that's a jumping off point for a ton of entrepreneurs, and they want you to start your business with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from when building your brand online. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. You'll find excellent tech support available to answer any questions you may have. Their support team doesn't upsell you. They only work hard to help you get online. With free Whois privacy protection, a clean UX, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains, it's hard not to see why Hover is a popular choice for people starting ideas of all kinds. When I had a chance to look into Hover's backend, it was easy to use, far better than some of the others that I've used over the years. It's super straightforward to get a price on a top-level domain, and all things considered, it is just an awesome way to get the domain that you want. And if you want to get on board and get the domain name that you want, you can go to hover.com slash ACP. You get a 10% discount with our referral link on all new purchases. That's hover.com slash ACP. Make a name for yourself with Hover. All right, so... Today, we assembled a list of six iOS and iPad OS 15 features that Apple stole from Android and one that Google should steal back. This is a tongue-in-cheek list. Obviously, they're not one-to-one thefts, but it is interesting that there were a bunch of times during the keynote that I felt there was a little bit of deja vu. Now, obviously, there are a few trends here. Apple is doing a lot more with on-device processing. They're doing a better job at processing things faster. They own the whole, um, the the whole, uh, you know, the, the entire pathway, right? From Silicon through to the user experience and software. So they can do a lot of this really quickly. Um, and they're also trying to make Siri much more of a knowledge graph like experience. So it's not just a, an ambient voice anymore. So part of that is live text and spotlight search, um, the ability to pick up text and copy it directly from a photo, call a number, a phone number, if they if, if it appears on a sign or something like that. If you're hankering to buy a house and you see a one of those ads on on a bus shelter, you can quickly call that real estate agent or something. Um, there are, you know, you'll be able to read a a business card and quickly email somebody. You know, these are real world applications. Then there's the idea that if I take a photo of a dog, Siri will be able to quickly uh, name that breed. This is all stuff that has been built into Google Lens for years. But it seems like, at least from the demo, it's a little bit more integrated into the camera app, whereas Google Lens at least until recently, has been a separate experience. And Chris, um, this seems like a a pretty fulsome effort 
to bring intelligence into the camera app beyond just reading QR QR codes. And I wonder what your impression is on this. Yeah, I think that's a, it's certainly the most logical place to to bring those in enhancements. Um, as someone who's spent a lot of time holding uh, a camera up to scan a QR code in the last year to check into places, I'm I'm, I'm grateful for any advancements there. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how much I how much hope I have for uh, Siri categorizing dogs or uh, <laughs> or anything like that. Um, but I, I did think the demo Federighi did of, uh, of photographing the whiteboard and immediately uh, copy pasting, um, that that was tremendous. And I, I take Apple at their word that that's going to work reasonably well. Um, so I think that's a great enhancement. I mean, that's the part of it that's the easiest. It's okay, I recognize te- text, I copy the text and paste it into something else, which when Google Lens first debuted that at Google I.O. 2018, I was like, oh, my God, where was this when I was in college? Right. Yeah, uh, you can just take photos of the of the whiteboard and uh, use it for later and actually have OCR level text. Yeah, no, uh, the real world copy paste is amazing. It's the acting on it's either the uh, it's either the actual recognition of like handwritten text, especially because my handwriting is trash. But also it's like recognizing objects, not just text. Mm-hmm. The text stuff is relatively easy apart from trying to inter- uh, trying to bring in new languages. It's the, okay, how many different types of flora and fauna can we identify? How many different breeds of dogs can we identify? Because uh, like I can take my phone. Uh, I was doing a Google uh, I was doing a, a Google lens how to last week or the week before, and I just tapped on a random photo in photos and did Google Lens and it was like, oh, hey, that's a stormtrooper from Star Wars. Because <laughs> that's how detailed the knowledge graph is. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to com- compete with Google on, on, on that front. Yeah. Yeah, there's millions of photos of stormtroopers on, on Google, so they've got a pretty big data set to work with. Joe, I, I want to talk about that, about you know, third-party Siri integration, which is also something that Google Assistant and and I'm not going to say the A word have had for in third-party uh, smart home devices and speakers for a long time. The first integration will be into an Echo B thermostat, which I'm excited about because that's a Toronto-based company. Really excited that Apple's you know partnering with them, and that thermostat already in- integrates with Amazon, so this makes sense and. The the other one that I'm curious about w- what you think is the uh, in- enhanced memories feature in Apple Photos. I think all three of us, I would assume, are Google Photos users. I'm a heavy Google Photos user with a two-year-old. I'm taking photos of her all the time. I rely uh, on Google to parse and categorize and and, and identify people um, and and you know bring up memories from previous years or, or themes. And I wonder when you. It, use Apple's sort of integrated services in iOS, what are the things that you find frustrating about them? And did iOS fix or or, or fill in those gaps for you? Uh, so uh, let's start with Siri um, branching out. I've wanted, I've wanted Siri to do this for a while. I've been hoping for this. You know, every headphone, every set of wireless headphones that I see that has Google Assistant or Alexa integration. See, I did say the word. Sorry, you everybody. ruined the podcast. I ruined everything. I just set everyone's A words alight. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes, you send everybody's ass alike. You can just you can say the word. It's yeah. fine. But uh, uh yeah, all apologies. Um I've I'm just I'm happy to finally see it. I'm it you know, it's sort of a an it's about time thing. Um I'm hopeful that there will be more announcements between now and say the fall um other than just this Echo B um thermostat as as happy as I am for Echo B to be like the first partner on this. Um I I, I want to see it come to other things. I want to see it come to headphones, you know. I think that I mean y'all are just so far behind in that integration that y'all oh, just need to get on everything immediately. Let's yeah. not let's not let's not do the slow little troll out with like we're gonna have a couple of products here and there. I get that Apple is yeah. possessive of Siri, but there's a reason that y'all have fallen so far far behind the competition. Oh, you you don't have to tell me the dragging of feet in many, many aspects of of their uh their software and hardware product is is a is a constant source of frustration for me. Is that the is that the cue to a transition to a topic of discussion about RCS messaging? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> but no, because we only have twenty minutes left, and we have a lot more to get through than ranting about how Apple refuses to acknowledge the existence of what is arguably a protocol that's more important than SMS, and will will make a difference in a lot of people's lives. So no, no, we can't talk we about it. We have, Chris. we have 20 minutes, not two hours. Yeah. Um, two hours ain't enough boys. <laughs> yeah. When it, yeah, when it comes to like enhanced memories and, and Apple services. So I'm an oddball in that. I don't take a lot of photos. Like I just don't take a lot of photos with my phone. Most of the photos I take, I take with a, you know, a standalone camera. And the memories feature for me, this is a bit of a frustration point when I do take photos with my, with my phone, it's, you know, it'll be on a trip where a lot of people do Apple or photos keeps making the same memory for me, the same memory package and say, Hey, you have a new memory, this trip to, to Chicago from seven years ago, we have a new, we've made a new memory for you again and again. And again, so I don't know if Apple solved that particular problem. And that might just be me. I mean, I also didn't take a whole lot of photos. I don't take a I didn't take a whole lot of personal photos with my phone until I moved here. And then I started taking bajillions because it's like, oh my God, I'm at Walt Disney World. But yeah, it's surface memories, I all I can't swipe them away fast enough when Google Photos puts them up for me. Cause I'm just like, guys, I don't want to know what I was doing four years ago. Unless it was like how X number of years ago I was on a Disney trip or X number of years ago I was at like a family reunion. Just no. Because it'll be like, oh, snow fell on New Year's Eve when you were trying to move out of the state. Yeah, no, I remember. That was not a great memory. Just Funny, stop. <laughs> I'm looking at my shared album activity on Apple Photos. And because I, I don't use the, I don't use it really as a backup service at all. I don't curate it. It's all people who have shared drunken evenings with me. <laughs> um, it, so, like, other people have started albums being like, you know, this person's bachelor party or, you know, this person's birthday. And there are, I'm just scrolling horizontally. It's like, I'm asleep on somebody's couch here. I'm asleep on somebody's couch here. Yep, that's my 30th birthday. I'm asleep on my couch. 
it's like oh that's it's my it's my How legacy. How many people send you drunken photos? Because I'm not awake to take them. They're taking them of me and then sending them <laughs> probably to hold me to to blackmail me for uh Yeah, it's for an later. iCloud, it'll live forever. No, I, I wanna I wanna get through a couple more of these these announcements because you know iOS fifteen was just chock full of small things. Um I, I, I do want to quickly talk about this uh, Apple cloud iCloud private relay improvements to iCloud called iCloud Plus. Obviously, Apple is becoming more of a services first company. This is one new way for for iCloud to be, I guess, considered a you know value. They're not increasing co- increasing price, even though they're not adding a tier between two hundred gigabytes and two terabytes, which I still find to be so frustrating. But tell us more about this private relay and how it's not. A VPN. So it is and it isn't. Apple isn't calling it a VPN. Um, and important in their developer session about it, they made a distinction between private relay and a VPN. So what private relay is is a VPN. So what private relay <laughs> what private relay is is it's a way Just for Apple. Just because you don't call it something doesn't mean it isn't something. We have learned this from if nothing else we learned it in January. Like this come is, on guys. This is true. However, I I there are some important distinctions from what you might think of as a, a VPN app. Like I use um Guardian um on my uh on my iPhone as as my VPN app, and I don't plan to stop because of some of the limitations of Private Relay. So, Private Relay in the text of the feature that is currently live on iOS 15, which I was not expecting until later in the beta cycle, it basically hides your IP address and it protects it. Basically, encrypts your Safari traffic. So. The way so what about Apple, all the other apps you use? <laughs> so this is the way Apple puts it. So what iCloud plus Private Relay applies to is all Safari browsing, all DNS name resolution queries, and a small subset of traffic from apps. Um, which the other th- which is kind of you know I do feel like we're getting a little mixed messaging on this one because Craig Federighi in an interview today. Just he said it's only it's basically only Safari, um, so it doesn't apply to like if you use Chrome or Firefox on your iPhone or iPad. Even it doesn't though apply they're there. basically the same engine, just wrapped differently. That yeah, that, I'd be curious about that because a lot of them they have to use Safari's rendering web engine. And yeah. this seems like a feature that would be implemented at that level. So I wonder if. Um, it's I, I guess Jay, you would you would know. I, I it just yeah. seems like an implementation decision they they made because I would think technically they could uh, support it at the third party browser level. I think they just don't want to call it a VPN because they don't want media companies to get pissed at them for thinking that oh you can use uh, iCloud Plus to pretend you're in the great uh, to pretend you're in the United States and yeah. watch the new shows. That's, bingo. that's and well and that's the thing you so it sort of you can't. Uh, like straight up, you can't. <laughs> right, you can. It obvious. It obfuscates your location if you want it to. You can. You can say. You can set it to say give your actual location to you know abiding by your existing location privacy settings like precise or broad, or you can essentially set it to give a regional location. So I know that. 
um, through iCloud Private Relay, the system thinks I'm in Chicago, for instance, and I'm not. But you cannot set the region. You cannot independently set the region. It does it for you. Got it. Okay. So yeah, that's definitely they're trying to get out from under the bad reputation of the VPN industry. Mm-hmm. The the idea that VPNs will a- allow you to like watch Australian Netflix or something like that. But but VPNs that's the problem is that it, they have such a scummy reputation of their own volition because mm-hmm. they're they're trying to compete with one another in a very commoditized industry. And uh, I just and I mean, there are so many legitimate uses for VPNs and all anybody wants to talk about is how to use it for piracy. Like, come on, guys, really? That's that's because most people pirate things. (laughs) I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, I do like this hide my email feature. Being able to provide a throwaway feature, a throwaway email address. Uh, You can then you you can then just delete it if you don't want email coming into it again anymore. Yeah, it's it's breaking out one of my favorite parts of the sign in with Apple um thing that they they implemented a couple of years ago where sign in with Apple lets you do that. But this is just, you know, it's breaking it out if you have a paid iCloud subscription. I don't I kind of feel like that's a a hedge against any sort of antitrust action that says you can't force developers to put sign in with Apple into their apps or th- something like that. I don't know. It strikes it me as odd to break like that out when it already exists. It could also be seen as a lock-in for Apple Mail, right? I mean, sure. But then sign in with Apple is that anyway. Yeah. Aren't um, e-commerce uh, companies required to offer sign-in sign in with Apple if they provide like sign in with Google and any others company. in, yeah, in their, in their, any, it's any, it's not just e-commerce. That, it's any app that offers that. So oh, I see. Yeah. E-commerce dating apps, you name it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a great feature, but I agree. I would not touch Apple mail with a 10 foot pole. Because I, I hate it. I just I've never I've never enjoyed it. Largely because I'm a Gmail user and it does not treat Gmail with respect. Um, <laughs> That's a nice way of putting that. <laughs> you know, I, I use I use Spark Mail or Outlook Mobile, and they're both fantastic. They have really good native Gmail integration. If I was an iCloud.com user, absolutely, I think the mail app would be fine. Um, obviously, this is for people who have iCloud because you're getting throwaway iCloud emails, but that's, you know, if if you are all in on Apple's, you know, services, then sure. Guilty. Uh, well, that's why we invited you on because we wanted, I, I legitimately wanted, wanted your take on this. Um, I want to talk about the privacy improvements to, to iOS 15 as well. But before we do that, because I want that to be a bridge to Android 12, to I want to hear, Chris, your thoughts on it. Uh, there's a, just a couple more iOS and iPadOS things I want to I talk about. So one is that uh, Apple Wallet will be getting ID cards support for a, a handful of US states later this year. Uh, I think it was like seven or eight states. This, I think, is one of the most underrated announcements from the keynote because Apple, when they 
adopt something broadly and they work with government agencies to do it, it becomes the de facto standard. And as a result, it will likely be rolled out to Android uh, in the future. Android has supported uh, government IDs natively for two years, but there are very few states that actually use it. And I don't. I actually don't know any states that natively use the Android implementation. Uh, that's because there are no states right now. I think there's only like one state that currently has any sort of tr- even like trial program for digital ID. Right. Like, and Apple is now working with those states. There's less than 10 states. that are even testing it and have timelines, which is ridiculous. We saw the same thing with Apple Pay, right? When Apple started working with, with banks to standardize tap, based payments. Banks will move fast when they realize there's money to be made. This is government bureaucracy and it's going to move at its own speed. Like I'm willing to bet Google has been trying to work with states on this for the last two years. And the state's been like, uh, we don't care. We have other things that we can deal deal with instead. I think Apple working on it can help because Apple having it will be like, oh, this is something cool and it'll generate headlines for whichever state gets to it first. But at the same time, it's like, it takes so long for anything regarding government issue ID or government documents in any shape or form to get changed or fixed. I think Apple has more weight to push something like this through, especially with Apple, um, you know, taking such a strong stance around privacy. I think, and I think a lot more government people are probably going to be using iPhones than, than Android phones would be my, you know, (laughs) entirely uninformed speculation. But, um, I think anything that that uh, Apple do here is, is probably going to uh, have some splash damage, uh, s- some splash healing for uh, for Android. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm really excited by this feature. Also, rising yeah. tide raises all boats. Yeah. So other other highlights, uh, you'll there's there's improved HomeKit integration. You'll be able to use your iPhone to unlock your your front door. Your it says garage, hotel room, and workplace. We'll see about that, how wide that integration is. Uh, tab groups are coming to Safari with a that oh, looked good. like a disaster. I, that will I, be <laughs> just as bad as it is on Android, which is not very good. It looked um, worse. It looked far worse. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it's very rare that I look at a feature and immediately just completely dismiss it as, oh, I think that's going to be terrible. I, I did did that for Force Touch, by the way, which I was uh, was proven right. But um, the- You did? I remember that. You hated Force Touch. Yeah. I, I From the moment I saw it, I thought it was like, you know, playing Doom back in the day where you're just going down every single wall, pressing space bar, seeing if, if there's a magic door behind the wall. And, you know, you, tr- you try it a couple of times and it does nothing and you, you never use it. Anyway, it, 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 that's one of the rare features that actually Apple actually took hardware out of their devices. So that's a, that, that was a fail by them. I will, I will say that I agree with you on the iPhone it, with one exception. The, 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 the Force Touch or whatever is called 3D Touch Spacebar, which allowed you to quickly navigate your cursor to a particular area. Um, you can still do that by long pressing on the spacebar, but using 3D Touch was, was more granular and it was faster to initiate and it just felt more native. And to this day, whenever I wear an Apple Watch, I still Force Touch to clear notifications and it does not work. And it's frustrating. 
I, I would counter that one useful case by saying, did you ever try to actually adjust? Remember on the iOS home screen where there were like three different states to um, to long press, to force touch, and to, to yes. single press. It was it was a mess. But that was but, a disaster. Uh, but but anyway, yeah, yeah. So the Safari tabs, I th- I think they look dreadful, and I'm I'm scared that uh, as someone who uses Safari on their very 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 aging uh, MacBook. Like no MacBook Pros. I I I thought that was a lock. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I did not like the look of Safari. So I think I I just want to say I think I'm going to be the contrarian here. I actually yes, do. do. I actually do like the look of Safari. I I mean, but then I would. I I'm someone who's often a fan of the weird design changes that Apple makes, and this is one of those times. Well, the thing is, Apple are, are hyper, hyper smart people. They're, they're mm-hmm. not dummies. They're not going to break something like the browser for no reason. They, they're doing this because they think they've yeah. come up with a better system. And, uh, you know, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. So we'll see. I will say the look and feel stuff, you know, how the, like the, there is no Chrome. The, uh, the color of whatever the website is takes over like the address bar and the tab. Well, I guess it's all the tab bar now. That looks really good and it works really well in light mode. It doesn't actually work in dark mode. And that is my one current disappointment with it. And as for uh, tab groups, um, I mean, it's a little clunky, but they work like they sync perfectly between devices. So Yeah, I mean, the, the sync might work. I just don't know the actual UX will prove out and... It Chrome has, I mean, Google has proven this with Chrome. On the desktop, tab groups work fine. On mobile, they do not. I, I never know whether a tab will be added to an existing group or start a new group. It, mm. it just is not intuitive. It's not consistent. It's just, it's bad on mobile. And I, I mean, tab groups just also aren't as useful on mobile. Like, if even if you have nine million tabs open in Android for uh, Chrome for Android, you're still having to go through those at the exact same speed whether they're in a tab group or not. If anything, having tab groups just makes it harder to find out which tab was the one that was that you actually had your stuff in. That's true. I mean, tabs on mobile are largely just a superfluous anyway. They're so, a mess. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to I want to talk about this iPad OS multitasking improvement, Joe. Uh, before we before we take another break, so iPad OS did get some pretty significant improvements this year, uh, but the I think the big one, aside from the fact that it now has a launcher like Windows and Android, is that uh, there are changes to the multitasking UX. Walk us through those. Because it's hard to see what they look like on the preview website. And then I want to talk quickly about this universal controls. But how how has Apple changed or improved multitasking on the iPad? So one of the things that I really like about how Apple works is they often, especially on mobile, is they often let you add complexity when you need it. But they don't necessarily force it on you. And that's the case here. So if you're familiar with multitasking on iPadOS already, it still works like that. They've just added some new ways to do it. And it starts with this sort of universal – many people might might um, recognize it as a, a more button. It's three dots at the top of the app. And you tap it or you click it if you're using a, a keyboard and you get uh, just a little panel that pops up 
that lets you, I'm using it on an iPad right now as I talk, that lets you uh, move into split screen or, um, or slide overview. And it's just, it's, it's easier to access that. It's easier than gesturing all around um, and trying, you know, trying to get an app that isn't on your dock into uh, multitasking mode is no longer a nightmare. Part of that's helped by the inclusion of app library. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot smoother now and there's, it's a lot more, it feels a lot more um, accessible and universally accessible. Okay, so they're they're not adding more, uh, they're not more adding more tile options, right? You still have full screen, split screen, or slide over. Those are still the dynamics offered, but it's just easier to chop up your apps in that or in 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 that way with this right. more overlay, and that and and you can now using the overview mode create split view. Yeah, uh, apps without actually opening them first. Right. So in the um, I get the they call it the app switcher, sort of the uh, the multitasking multitasking view. view. Yeah, I could I could yeah. take so I've got Safari here. I could take Tweetbot and just put it on top of Safari, and bam, they're side by side, and then I can resize them as needed. It, it's it's pretty great. Um, my personal favorite feature of all this as a heavy user of the shortcuts app is you can create a shortcut that will automatically launch two apps in side-by-side mode. Thank goodness. I'm so happy. Can you do that on iPhone? Because I, I always thought it would have been... No, uh, unfortunately been, not. We're not there it, yet. It would have been handy to... Oh, of course, because iPhone doesn't have split-screen phones. Right. Um, phone apps. But <laughs> um, I always thought it would have been handy to have a shortcut to launch Uber and Lyft at the same time and uh, and just compare them and see which one's going to come first. <laughs> I, I have not used an Uber or a Lyft in uh, 16, 16 months. I haven't used one in five years. I, I guess things are a little bit different in Australia, aren't they? Yes, no question. I'm, I'm happy with yeah. that. Um, all right. I want to talk about this, uh, this update to... It's an update to hand, handoff and, and, and continuity. It's called Universal Control. It really is just it's apple sort of using all of these existing technologies together to allow you to uh use a, a mouse and keyboard or a trackpad and keyboard from a mac and then essentially control an ipad or another mac and you can pair or you can combine up to three machines i guess can you use two ipads or does that not work um unclear I uh, I don't know. How do you specify what side the iPad is on? Yeah, the spatial recognition thing there, I'm just kind of like, is that like an M1 or an ultra wideband thing between devices? Like, it's how do Bluetooth. you figure out what everything, what, yeah, but whenever you're setting up multiple displays, I feel like you always have to go in and change, no, this one's on that side. Yeah, I, I don't know. Apparently that's just going to work, but we'll see. Yeah. Um. I haven't had a I haven't had a chance to use this feature yet because I do not have a machine that I can install macOS Monterey on. I mean, I could install it on the machine I'm talking to you on, but then I'm worried about it breaking compatibility with audio equipment. And the Mac Joe Joe to interrupt, what what are your thoughts on the naming system of of macOS? Like I, calling this one Monterey. <sighs> 
let me tell you something. Um, a little behind the scenes here. When we prep uh, posts prior to events like Mac, like WWDC, we'll do things like ha- we'll name it Mac OS 12 in our system and then we'll change it before we push things live. Um, and if they could just keep it as like – if they could just go to a numbering system. Yeah. There's a reason that Android went away from the desserts. Like nobody knows what the names mean. It makes no sense. It's version it's tradi- numbers. It it started out as just a code name when when Mac OS X was first being developed. It, you know, I, I don't even remember what the first version was called, um, but it it was just a it, the the it was big cats and it was just a code name, and it just it stuck. It, it got out into the sort of wider Apple community, and it just kind of stuck there. And so they keep doing it, much to my chagrin. Every time I hear Mac OS Monterey, I think of uh, Big Little Lies, the show, uh, the HBO yeah. <laughs> show, because it's, it it's the only show I associate with Monterey. I, I just think about that intro. I forget who sings it, but it's, um, it's like a very recognizable theme song. It's just got a very recognizable tone. And now I will always think of it as Mac OS Big Little Lies. So I'm, I'm on board with that because I, I really like that show. All right, I want to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about uh, some Android 12 stuff because Beta 2 just dropped as you are listening to this and uh, we we will talk about what's new. I've spent a lot of the last eight months hiring. It's a privilege. I like interviewing people. I like getting to know people who could eventually become my coworkers, but it's a lot of work. And AI can make that work easier, which is why you want Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own. Then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com ACP. Get $75 at Indeed.com ACP. Indeed.com ACP, offer valid through June 30th, Terms and conditions apply. All right. So uh, hopefully this is out on Wednesday. It might be out on Thursday, depending on how many podcasts Jim is, is uh, editing. No, Sorry, no Jim. pressure. No pressure, Jim. Um, but as uh, you know, today or tomorrow, whatever, or yesterday, whatever happens uh android 12 beta 2 is now out and with it comes a, a bunch of new privacy features um we they were all announced during 
Google I.O., but uh, as Google is wont to do, it trickles out the actual new features to users. So the first beta introduced us to Material U. It kind of gave us a glimpse barely. of what... Barely. Uh, gave us a glimpse of what to expect with the theming engine. Uh, it, it introduced some new animations, some performance improvements, but largely uh, none of the privacy improvements that were promised were in beta one. So with beta two, we now have the privacy dashboard. Now, as we're recording this, we don't actually have it on any of our phones. Uh, we are getting the microphone and camera toggles and indicators. So if you are using a mic or camera, you're getting that little notification at the top right. It's been in iOS for a long time. And we're also getting some updated Wi-Fi UX design. So you'll be able to see a little bit easier uh, what Wi-Fi uh, what SSID you're connected to. It'll be a little bit of an overlay um, directly from the quick settings menu. And there's a few other you know, nips and tucks and stuff. Uh, but that's really it, right? This is only three weeks after the first beta. So Google is making good good strides. Uh, Chris, I have not spoken to you about Android 12, and I, I wanted to get your overall impressions of what you thought about the keynote at Google I.O. in May, what you think about the first beta, if it's on any of your Pixel phones, and what you're excited about with the forthcoming ones. I think Android 12 looks like a really positive step overall. Um, I was a bit confused watching IO when they were doing all this talking about Material U and none of it seemed to be in the beta. Um, I, but um, And I, I am running it on my, my daily phone. It's, it's really quite stable. Um, there's a couple of wallpaper-specific bugs which are actually driving me insane. So I'm, uh, I'm very, very looking forward to, uh, to seeing if they are fixed in the beta and I can remove the the scary beta warning code that I had to add um, to, to Swellwell saying, hey, you're running beta one, look out for this. Um, but uh, look, I, overall, I, th- I think it's I think it's a really, you know, a pretty positive update. Um, I think it's interesting to, to contrast um, how different Android and iOS updates really are. Like if, if you look at um, a lot of what iOS... Uh, sorry, what was announced at WWDC? How much of that is a, you know an operating system update, and how much of that is an is a map is an app update? Like if we look at the, um, we didn't discuss it, but uh, Apple announced new maps, and um, it, it just it just feels uh, like it just feels like Google have a, the right amount of decoupling um, as far as uh, decoupling the OS from the apps which can update and run on any version of the OS. And you can certainly make the very, very valid case that that's in Google's interest because uh, OS updates don't roll out nearly as fast on Android. There's no, there's no getting around that. But um, I, I'm, you know, as I was watching the, uh, you know, the WWDC keynote and and seeing the updates to maps, I'm just like, oh, really? Like, isn't this just a, you know, an update to your, uh, you know, to your, to your app, uh, why, why is this a uh, you know an operating system update? Uh, but anyway, small small tangent aside. Um, but yeah, look, I, iOS twelve, sorry, Android twelve. I, I definitely think it's largely a, a pretty positive update. When you think about some of the privacy changes that Android twelve is implementing, and you look at the the direction that both Apple and Google but specifically Apple have been taking in terms of trying to at least make more transparent some of the data that apps are collecting 
making making it easier to check what developers are what permissions developers are accessing trying to make it easier for for users to clamp down on abuse um do you think that google is making the same concerted effort as apple do you think that they are that they are approaching it in in an equitable way because the business models of the two companies are so different they are. Um, I, th- I think I, I personally have the opinion that a large part of Apple's um, sort of privacy push, to me, it felt like um, an angle they had to take because they were useless in the cloud. Um, so Apple were like, "Yeah, we're doing all this on our device," and that that also means it's uh, it's you know it's not it's not as good results, but it's great for privacy. And I think I whether or not that's true, how they started out, it really has become an earnest. You know, a mostly earnest position um, for Apple. Like, you know, there's also been a bunch of memes go around in the last, you know, since WWDC where Apple are saying, we believe privacy is a fundamental human right, you know, asterisks, except for in South Africa and China. And, uh, you know, where they have to modify their systems to abide by, you know, local laws. Um, So... I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think there's uh, there's cases to be made for for both companies. Certainly, there was a you know a story in the last week or so about um, Google engineers being perplexed that it was impossible to get your location on an Android device without also sharing that location with Google. Um, and you know, I, I think you can. Uh, there's obviously been uh, issues with um, how Apple decide that their their ad tracking system is somehow not tracking um and and defaults to on but uh every other tracking system is bad so i i don't know i i think this is a very very uh complex topic i i think at a high level um it's hard to argue that the steps that i i think google are definitely taking some uh some positive steps certainly i i think a big one that i really liked in android 12 is the ability to offer a course um sorry a, a, a fuzzy location so you don't just have to uh, give exactly, you know, your home address. You can say, you know, maybe I, I'm somewhere in these three uh, three suburbs or regions or whatever it is. Um, uh, so I think that's good. I think showing something on the status bar when the um, the mic or camera is in use and, and being able to sort of audit the, these are the apps that recently accessed these permissions, I think those are all really positive steps. So just in the last week, Google has said that it will um, allow users to opt out of sharing an, an advertising ID, which is a sort of a, an, a device identifier, like a MAC address, but specifically for, for advertisers that, um, that, that is shared across applications, that users will be able to opt out of this. They will, uh, developers will receive a string of zeros instead of an, uh, an identifying code. Um, this is something that that a lot of users, privacy advocates, have been have been uh, trying to get Google to do. Uh, it's not quite to the extent of Apple's um, privacy tracking changes in in uh, fourteen in iOS fourteen point five, but it will make it harder for apps to track you across different services unless you're somebody like Facebook, and then you're building out your own tracking abilities within within the like between Facebook and Instagram, for instance. Google was also fined 220 million euros in France for, quote, abusing its um, dominant ad position. And 
will uh, basically pay a fine and not appeal it. They will um, make some changes to how they buy and sell ads because obviously Google is the buyer and seller of many cert- of, of most um, ads on, on its own platform and across the internet. Google also is um, adding some changes to the Play Store listings. This is probably going to affect you. By early next year, you're going to be forced to disclose what data you track from, uh, for what what data you take from from uh, users. And um, I usually relish those disclosures because it's very easy for me. I'm sure you you barely you barely <laughs> take anything. Um, and and then. Finally, you know, Google had to make changes in the in Europe just today to uh, further the changes that were forced on them back in 2018 when an Android phone, when a, a new user, when a user buys a new Android phone and there's they're forced to show a dialogue for search boxes. So Google in Europe is in the EU is forced to offer alternatives to Google search from a default perspective when you first launch um when you first sign into your Google account uh, there will now be seven options instead of five so all this being said there's a ton of government and regulatory scrutiny being put on both Apple and Google right now Apple seems to be in a slightly better position right from a market dominance perspective they are the the scrutiny is a little bit more narrow um, but from your perspective as a developer, how do you think about the changes that Google is making and will will it have a deleterious impact on potentially your bottom line, on its bottom line, or do you think that it's towing that line pretty well? Um, it, honestly, it's very hard for me to say. I think the what from what little I know about the, uh, the technology that goes into ads and tracking... Um, it's it's just enough to know that I know less than nothing. Um, like this this is a space where uh, there is it's just so much uh, complexities, and I, I I certainly don't feel uh, you know qualified to to speak to the space in general. But I can say from an app developer, as as someone who um, up to this point I haven't really uh, I. Any data I have collected has almost exclusively never left the device. Um, certainly, Action Dash, my uh, digital well-being style app um, that I, I have since sold, um, that data never left the device except for if you initiated a you know a backup to Google Drive of your, of your own data. Um, so I've I've never been one that's that's too concerned about how such data is used because I, I feel I've always used it pretty responsibly, um, and I think. Certainly, as it, as it relates to advertising, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the new Swell Walls um, update will make pretty heavy use of ads. But all I'm doing there is I'm just playing a rewarded ad video, um, and then if if you watch it, you you get a reward. Um, so it's there's you know I have absolutely no interest in you know who a particular individual is and tracking them or or, or any of that sort of stuff. Um, I you know. I'd, to sort of speak at a, at a more sort of macro level as far as, you know, I, I, I think it's worth considering that Google, it, at the end of the day, still a huge, huge percentage of its revenue ultimately comes from advertising. Um, and I think they are, you know, they they 
are smart enough to be able to stick their finger in the in, in the air and know which way the wind is blowing. Um, and that is that, you know, privacy is, is certainly becoming a, a lot more uh, of a meaningful focus. And, uh, you know, I think it's reasonable to think that um, any actions Google do take have, have been, uh, <laughs> have someone along the chain has said, you know, is this going to cripple our ability to, uh, to monetize? Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I take from that what you will. That is fair. I, I appreciate that, that multifaceted answer. All right, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about what's making us happy this week. So stick around. There's never been a better time to become a programmer. And with Codecademy, you can learn to code on your own terms. Whether you're starting from scratch or looking to advance, Codecademy can help you reach your coding goals. Learning to code might be the easiest way to change your career, especially when you learn with Codecademy. Simply put, Codecademy is the best way to learn to code online. They not only teach you job-ready coding skills, but also help you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for technical interviews. Codecademy is a place that I have spent a little bit of time now trying to learn and polish my HTML and CSS skills, and they can help you do the same. Get qualified for in-demand jobs in as little as two months. Learn at your own pace and your own level. Choose what you learn from building websites to analyzing data and everything else you want. No matter what your learning experience and your experience level, you'll be writing real working code in minutes like Python, HTML, CSS, SQL, JavaScript, and more. And with their platform, you get instant feedback, so your code is tested as soon as you submit it. There's an interactive platform that helps you learn by doing, and then you can build your portfolio and get a certificate of completion to make yourself more marketable to future employers. So join the millions of people learning to code with Codecademy and see where coding can take you. Get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to codecademy.com and use the promo code ANDROID. That's promo code ANDROID at Codecademy to get 15% off Codecademy Pro, the best way to learn to code. That's C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y, promo code ANDROID. All right, so... The way we end every show is something that I really like. Uh, I, I like putting people on the spot about what is making them smile, making their their heart flutter. Uh, it's what's making us happy. Uh, so what's what's making you happy this week, Ara? Uh, In the Heights comes out on Thursday, and I'm debating whether or not I'm actually going to go see it in a theater, but I know I'm definitely going to watch it on HBO Max at some point in the next 31 days because it's going to be amazing. Um, I, I never saw it in the Heights. Like I didn't know about the show until after it was off of Broadway, but, uh, cause I'm like everybody else. And I found out about it in the Heights after Hamilton got big. Um, but it's got wonderful songs and I'm looking forward to seeing how it's been staged for the screen. Cause they posted the first eight minutes on God Sunday night at midnight. And I shouldn't have been up that late, but I'm very happy that I watched it because I was like, okay, if this is the kind of like distinctive art style that we're going to use like all throughout, then I know we're going to be good. It does look incredible. I'm very it excited. It does. Uh, so that's In the Heights. It comes out when? 
Thursday. It comes out Thursday. The eleventh. June eleventh. June eleventh. Because we're already in June. Yes. Yes. Can't believe it either. All right, uh, Joe Keller, what is making you happy this week? So this is a a tech one. Um, it just ha- it happened last night at around one o'clock, one fifteen a.m. for me. But it's Apple Music spatial audio and Dolby Atmos. I was not expecting to absolutely love this feature as much as I do, but uh, yeah, here we are. It's great. I mean, the spatial audio is honestly more compelling a reason to use Apple Music than the high fidelity, right? Yeah, this is this is true. I set my I set um the music app on my Mac to stream the high high uh or the what is it? Yeah, the high res lossless the 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 24k by you know with uh, 120 or 192 24-bit 192 kilohertz. That's the one. I, I set it to stream that just because I could and I have some equipment that'll work with it. But like, do I do I know to know a difference between that and CD quality? Not really. Um, but spatial audio, you bet I hear a difference. Like there, there's a, a track I've been listening to a lot since like December because it's one of those tracks that gets into your brain. It's a real earworm. And I listened to it in spatial audio today and there was a an entire dimension – an entire voice of this track that I have been missing until it like appeared behind my head. <laughs> what song was it? Um, it, it's called uh, "I'll Be Your Man" by uh, Joji. I think is the artist's name. It's the it's the last track on his latest album, but it it just there is a high a high voice part that I just was not hearing previously, and now I do. You thought you were just getting old. But now it's uh, not, now you know. Turns out I just needed spatial Apple music audio in my keeps in my you life. young at heart. That that that's the ad. <laughs> that's the ad for that. That's the terrible, terrible ad copy. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks, Joe. That's uh, Apple Music spatial audio rolling out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Chris. What is making you happy this week? Uh, I guess I got a couple of things, so I'll, I'll be quick. One is I'm I'm happy slash great like grateful as I get to write my Swirl Walls app. Like I think it's, um, I've been so blessed for so long to be able to work on things that I enjoy, um, that I, you know, scratch my own itches. And uh, obviously a lot of people have had hard times in the last year and I've just always been grateful for my ability to just work on something cool and uh, and sort of control my own destiny uh, in the in the daytime. And um, sort of, and then as outside of that, I, honestly, I, I've recently got into Fortnite, which I haven't played that much. Um, I kind of dismissed it. Uh, but as a parent, it's really, really fun playing a game with your kids where in, they're in the same room. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm tremendously uh, grateful for that. Also, if you're uh, looking for a TV show, uh, Line of Duty which is an excellent BBC uh, police drama, which I would recommend. I'm going through that. Ooh, I'm, I'm looking for a new show. Yeah, line line of duty. I I I would put it up in the category of uh, you know up there with the wire that sort of stuff. It really is that good. Hmm. Whoa. Be cool. That's that's high praise. I know. I know. <laughs> wow. But yeah. Okay. That is the, that now, is a an endorsement. Now I built it up. You uh you you won't enjoy it at all. But I certainly do. No, I'm I'm big into police procedurals for sure. I'm I just finished Mayor of Eastwood. 
or Mare of Eastwood, Mare of Town. I, I loved it. So, um, well, that's great. Thank you very much, Chris. So what's making me happy this week? Um, I am listening to an audiobook, which I am want to do occasionally, called um, Hamnet and Judith. And I forget the the author's name. Hang on, it's Maggie Maggie Farrell, and it's it's about Shakespeare's children, Maggie O'Farrell, and it's just this really beautifully written book about about his kids. Um, and Hamnet famously, you know, it's it's not. Maybe I won't spoil it, um, but you you should read it. Uh, I I love her writing. I just I love the world of 16th century England. I thought it, it was just so, it's just very patient with, uh, with its depiction of Elizabethan England and, uh, the, the differences between London at the time, this like bustling quote, urban area and, um, and, and Stratford where Shakespeare grew up. And, the more kind of bucolic remote nature of, of living life in that area. And I've always found that time period really compelling. Um, I'm the guy, I'm the guy who read Chaucer for fun. So if you understand that you will understand, even though Chaucer was much earlier, you'll, you'll understand why I really enjoyed this book. Uh, so this is Hamnet and Judith by Maggie O'Farrell. I'm reading I'm listening to the audible version, so I love love the narrator. She's excellent, and I highly recommend it. All right, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Chris, if people want to learn more about you, where can they do that? Uh, Twitter's the best. Uh, yeah, slash Chris M. Lacey. And you're constantly tweeting about the epic Apple trial. Uh, what else are you tweeting about these days that, that's entertaining? Honestly, that's uh, that's been top of mind because the case has uh, been been going on, and I am and someone who pretty firmly believes in open ecosystems, and uh, that you know we're we're long past the point with um, once we're talking about you know Apple is a company with two trillion dollars in market cap, which is larger than Australia and Canada's GDP. Um, I think it's it's time that uh, and and Apple deserves a, a you know a huge amount of that. I, I have a, a tremendous affinity for Apple. Um, I just think they're being overly greedy um, with the App Store. They should stop trying to control things like whether Xbox can stream games on your phone and stop not allowing people to even tell their customers that you can get something cheaper on the web and and stop pretending that a uh, a web app is anywhere near as good as an actual app because I didn't see Apple announce any uh, web apps at WWDC. So I am, uh, I am passionate about that issue. But, uh, Except for FaceTime. F- for Android. Oh, for Android, right. Yes, for, that's for, fair. Uh, for the other platforms. So, right. um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but, yes, yeah, so I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm pretty active there. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm also tweeting about teaching my kids how to program at the moment, which may be of interest to people. I know. I saw that. That's very cool. Uh, you'll have to t- you'll have to come back and tell us how that's going. Uh, Joe, where can people find you on the internet? Generally, they can't. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, that's a good I'm thing. On, I guess I'm on, I'm on Twitter at jkeller87. Um, I 
barely tweet and often retweet. I'm one of those people. Um, and I would say you could find me writing on iMore, but mostly I'm editing on iMore these days. So yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, uh, occasionally I'll I'll pop up to write almost four thousand words on a uh, on an item tracker, but other than that, <laughs> well, AirTags deserved all all four thousand of those words. Oh my god, I can't believe I still can't believe I I wrote that. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. But here we are. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. Um, it's it's been a pleasure having you, and we'll have you back, Ara. Thank you for being here. Twitter, Ara Wagco. Ara Wagco. I'm at Journey Dan. We're all at Android Central. Uh, let us know what you thought of the show, podcast at Android Central. We love hearing from you. If you're listening on an iPhone, please rate us in the Apple Podcast app. It really goes a long way to helping us increase our visibility. Uh, and if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, just tell a friend. We really appreciate that as well. We'll be back next week talking more about Android 12 Beta 2 and all the news that's fit to talk about. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.